0: Jonathan Edwards said, God is the highest good of the reasonable creature, and the enjoyment of him is the only happiness with which our souls can be satisfied. Join Adam Howell, Ryan Hanley, and Caleb Niedemeyer for a conversation about living out deeply rooted affections. This is Oaks of Righteousness Podcast. Welcome back to Oaks of Righteousness Podcast. I'm Caleb Niedemeyer, joined by Ryan Hanley and Adam Howell. Today we're live from Indiana. We've crossed borders to be together in order to bring you this podcast. We are so dedicated to this. It's a beautiful day here. We've, we're have we very authentic with these podcasts. We're taking care of the kids, and this is, uh, is going to be a little bit of an experiment, but excited for what we have on tap. Guys, how how are you guys doing?
1: Good. Uh, I have no idea what I'm talking about on this one. <laughs> He's
2: lying. Yeah, so I'm
0: not. And we've got a little bit of a difficult one to to tackle today, so we might just shoot from the hip most of the time. But I think it'll be a, a good conversation. Hopefully, a little bit edifying. Guys, as we jump in here, we're going to talk about what the affections are, as far as an emotion versus what an affection is. How do you know what is quote-unquote an emotion versus what is an affection, if there's a difference. How you can kind of tell maybe if you're having a right affection versus a wrong affection, right emotion, things like that. Adam, I'm going to start with you. Give us, give us what you think uh, is a uh, the difference between an emotion and affection, or are they the same thing? And if you say they're the same thing, I think you're copying out. I'll cop out. They're the same thing. Uh, no, Ryan and I were talking about
2: this earlier today, and I think that every time I have this conversation, I kind of go back and forth on whether affections are the same as the emotions, and emotions, affections is is an affection, an emotion is uh, an emotion, an affection. Can a unregenerate person experience affections, or do they only experience emotions? And there are a lot of different avenues that you can go with the conversation but I I think that my short answer would be that a that the the affections the affections as Edwards defines them are different from emotions I think part of that is that the affections as Edwards defines them are tied to the will I mean even just when I said that I think that emotions could be tied to the will as well because right we act the will is moved because of uh, some sort of emotive uh, stimulus on it you know so it's hard to say I think that that they are distinct but some of the I guess some of the places where I draw fairly good distinctions that I think are legitimate and we've talked about this one a little bit before as well so you guys can chime in and correct me but something like conviction versus guilt. Edwards defines the affections as being moved by the Spirit or generated by the Spirit of God. And so we've even talked about the distinction between an affection and a religious affection, right? But if we just use the term affections as Edward has it for all religious affections, um, we could look at something like the difference between conviction and guilt. Guilt, I would say, is an emotion that if left unchecked, would lead to condemnation, would lead to self-pity, would lead to some sort of sinful inclination of the will. And I'm going to define that as an emotion. It's an external stimulus on the will that, that brings about an, a, an action, a behavior, but not a godly one, versus an affection that is wrought by the Spirit of God and generates and elicits repentance something like conviction the feeling we have as a human being is the same that the feeling of remorse the feeling of having wronged someone that feeling is the same but one conviction has been a movement of the spirit of god on the inclination of the will hence repentance is born out of that the other is you know is simply a carnal worldly kind of passion as as Edwards would say or or emotion that being said I'm, i I want to qualify this. I said this just a mem- a minute ago that I don't think we shouldn't make the the false d- uh, assumption that emotions are bad and affections are good. Mm-hmm. Um, the example I just gave seems that way, but that's not necessarily the case. I think that Christians can be moved by external circumstances that legitimately move them. Maybe a good example of that would be why we listen to music while we work out. That it's an external stimulus that emotes energy and movement for us, but I don't know that I would go so far as to call that an affection, especially a religious affection. Take the same illustration and put it into your church service this morning. Worship music because it is grounded in Scripture, has the ability through the work of the Spirit to move us. I would call that an affection. So
1: uh, I could go a lot of different ways on that. That could be both, though, right? I mean, your, your yeah. worship music could also be emo- emotional. So it could motivate the emotions rather than the affections. Mm-hmm. That would have a lot more to do with the individual, right? So it would. Someone who the Spirit is working on their heart. Someone who. I would say has has steeped and matured in the faith, you know, when he hears a song like and can it be and and you know my chains fell off, he realizes like this is something that does affect him. He's deeply moved by it. It's something that describes some of the deepest parts of the person whereas you could sing I love Jesus over and over and over again and try and stir up the emotions or elicit the emotions by you know a driving beat or something like that and that would be you know primarily playing to the emotions rather than, than affections but yeah i yeah. i mean i think somewhere in there there's there's a line that is crossed but i think it's probably a very very fuzzy line
2: it is very fuzzy
1: and that's <laughs> yeah so one of the illustrations
2: that i use with a lot of students is is worship music so so music music it has the ability to move us, whether it be Christian hymns that are deeply steeped in scripture or whether it be some sonata of some sort right that that there is something intrinsic in a d minor chord resolving in a C major that makes our hearts warm.
0: I don't know what you just said there. Perhaps I'll just agree with you.
2: Perhaps if you heard it. it yeah. you would agree. You'd, be, you'd be waiting. Come so. on, come on, resolve. So you, what you need to do is find a D minor and resolve it into a C major, and then just let everybody <laughs> yeah. go.
0: Oh.
2: And but I, that's not an affect. That's, that's not an affection, as Edwards defines them, especially a religious affection. Now, it may be an affection. A more vigorous movement on the soul and inclination, perhaps the outward exercise from that resolve in music is simply a smile. But it's something that has moved us. And music has the ability to do that apart from any work of the spirit. And so one of the things Edwards talks about in in his book is that precisely these outward behaviors that people were manifesting during the First Great Awakening don't really say one way or the other whether they are truly experiencing genuine religious affections. And it's because you can. You can raise your hands and run around the church and sing songs, and it's not wrought by the Spirit of God. Therefore, it's not true religion, having not been elicited by true religious affections. So music, though, has that ability to move our souls apart from necessarily a work of the Spirit. And so we have to be careful in worship, uh, especially related to music, that we are being genuinely affected by the Spirit versus just um, being moved by the progression of chords or the driving of a beat. Right. So are we
1: worshiping God or are we just really enjoying enjoying the music? That's right. We've lost our host it's true our host is now gone
2: <laughs> putting shoes on his child without vision <laughs> the people perish now, good luck editing me that one yeah right
0: i mean i so might go just ahead man, ask your question in the uh in the uh for the interest of authenticity for our listeners this uh this segment has taken us probably about 20 minutes due to our our children so that's how i'm going to deal with editing it i'm just going to tell our mm-hmm. listeners what we actually did There you
2: go. But it was this 11 minute segment, not this whole podcast. (laughs) 11 minute
0: segment has taken about 20 minutes. That's right. All right. So here's my question. And actually, I'm going to kind of go back real quick to talking about that music where you're talking about you can be lifting your hands and you can be running around the auditorium, and it's not necessarily a reflection of true affections. But is the flip side true with that as well, where I can be standing still singing a very monotone or even a very uh, steeped in scripture hymn with no response to say, well, this is how, you know, just because I have those reactions doesn't mean I have true affections. Nor does the opposite mean I have true affections, whereas I ascribe to all the creeds that I ought to. I have the right theology, but that doesn't mean... I have true affections. So that leads to the question, what drives one or the other? Do the affections drive the emotions or do the emotions drive our affections? And Ryan, I'll let you tackle that one because that, that's pretty simple.
1: I hope. I don't think emotions drive our affections, but Amen. I would I would say that, <laughs> <Good>. that <laughs> genuine affections do, are often what drive... Our emotions, or any kind of emotional response to something that affects us. So I think you can have an emotion that is surprise or fear, uh, dread. If something pops up that you weren't expecting. Somebody pulls in front of you on the road. You can experience an emotion. So that's that's not necessarily driven by an affection. But if you're going to experience good, thrilling feelings as a result of joy, um, or as a result of gratitude to God for something that He's done, which might be. More properly describes it as an affection, so you have this emotional response to the affection of this joy or gratitude in God. Um, I think that's you know that's what's driving the emotional response there. So that's my somewhat short answer. If one affects the other, I would say affections are going to influence emotions and not the other way around. I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's a way that you can say that emotions would influence affections at all because i do think our affections can be stimulated there is a way that we can try to influence our affections <laughs> <laughs> like repeatedly hitting a door the- <laughs> <laughs> um often when our affections are not what they ought to be say in worship you know piper is often john piper is often talked about how we do what we know we're supposed to do as an That's act right. of obedience. But often in the act of obedience, uh, the affections are inflamed. The affections are stirred to respond appropriately. So, I, I'm pretty sure he uses the example of giving. You know, do we give with a joyful heart or not? Are we generous givers? Are we joyful when we give? Oftentimes, we we could, if we're honest, we'll say no. We're not joyful when we give, but we give anyway as an act of obedience and pray that God would affect us properly so that we are joyful when we give. So we are trying to do something to stir the affections um, because we do want to be grateful. Gratitude is the response. Joy is the response when we're, it's, yeah. you know, we, it should be the response right. when we give um, because God has given so much to us. We want to be grateful. So we essentially were reminding ourselves and doing what's right, even though maybe our affections aren't working as they should and, and pleading that the spirit would work. But I don't think it's often something emotional that would stir that. I mean, we're we're pleading for the Spirit of God to move, essentially, You know, when it comes down to it. It's not like we're playing certain songs to inflame the emotions or something or trying to be happy and joyful. We can't just kind of, like, stir that up.
2: I think you're right. And I I really like what you just said there, all of that. Like, that was a good way to think about it. The other thing that you mentioned a moment ago, Caleb, was the... um, can we stand in a somber posture i don't w- would you say a somber posture contemplating the truths of scripture that are in the song versus any kind of distinct outward behavior or are you thinking standing there passionately indifferent
0: I th- I think it can go either way, because okay. in the same way that I can raise my hands, run around, have that physical response just because everyone else is doing it, mm-hmm. so therefore I should do it that way they think I'm there, versus, well, let's all just stand here, and the person next to me might be contemplating and thinking deeply and being moved by the truths they're singing, whereas the next person might just be like, well, here I am singing the song again.
2: Then. And- and so, the difference between like an affection and emotion in that sense, I think that standing standing in worship in a contemplative posture because you are moved by the truths of scripture mm-hmm. in the song that is in fact an outward behavior right. that manifests your being moved absolutely yeah um, versus just standing there indifferently
0: mm-hmm.
2: and this is where it gets really tricky as it relates to judgment and uh uh, not not final judgment, but judging motives and even yeah. our own um, motives, you know, I think one of the most important questions that we have to ask ourselves is is whether we are genuinely worshiping and are, are we genuinely and rightly expressing the movement of the spirit in our hearts and lives in the Christian life mm-hmm. in this yeah. context right now right. we 're talking about worship and and is that affection, is it emotion? I'm going to argue it's affection because we are em- we are e- expressing a work of the Spirit in our lives, and if that if that leads us to stand there somber and meditatively thinking on those truths of Scripture, my guess would be there's an affection of joy yeah, yeah. that's that's welling up in us, or um, you know, if it's a song of the cross, perhaps a, a an affection of, of grief for what our Savior mm-hmm. experienced, or um, thankfulness that we are now saved by the blood you know any number of things that could be going on in someone's heart right there but we have to be careful that we're not watching that person in front of us in the pew stand not moving that uh, we we can't judge that as they are not being affected and they're just merely experiencing carnal emotions or whatever you know
0: and the flip side works with that too, where the person raising their hands oh they 're just showing off they're just it's all for show mm-hmm. or it might not be no it might not it, be it, it might be mm-hmm. their physical response yeah. to, here 's the truths of this song, and with the music they raise their hands, so i can 't judge them and say, well, they just want to be noticed they just want to be seen in That's worship right. um, so I think the the flip side works with that as well Ryan, let me ask you this what we'll move from worship to what, Adam, you had mentioned before with grief versus, what was the other word? Uh, conviction. Conviction. conviction versus conviction. guilt. Yeah. yeah, conviction versus guilt. How, do we, how would we discern what we are feeling, or, or how do we know, is this conviction or is this guilt? Because this is probably more, in a worship, you can see, okay, that person's just sending that person's raising their hands, versus, man, I just sinned. Is this guilt or is this conviction?
1: Okay, Um, I'm sure that somewhere you could draw a line and define the two pretty clearly. Well, let me me start with this. At the the end of the day, I think guilt is an emotion where we're upset by something that happened or that we did or didn't do that we should have done or that we shouldn't have done, and we feel guilty about it. Where we get into the idea of conviction I think Adam and I were talking about earlier is that what do you do with it? What do you do with those feelings of guilt? A conviction says I have to do something. And, you know, the biblical response is to repent, Mm -hmm. to repent of whatever it is you did or didn't do. And to change, to, to, to seek to change, you know, the, the person who is convicted pleads to God. He repents of his sin to God. He repents to whomever he may have sinned against and, commits to change and seeks out change um, you know you could see that as a work of conviction um, not simply guilt you know at the end of the day though like as someone sitting there saying now am i feeling guilt or am i feeling conviction you know i guess again at the end of the day i would say to that person repent man repent yeah, right. like <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> if you're <Yeah. laughs> feeling like you haven't done something you should have done you know don't let it in there you can't just wallow around in guilt i mean that mm-hmm. you know adam was saying earlier with Guilt is something that, you know, removed from affection uh, is sin. Really, you know, it's. It, I think guilt can be a right. You know, maybe this is where you're getting into emotions affect the affections. Do they influence the affections? I don't. I don't know. You know, maybe they drive you to Christ, to God, for the Holy Spirit to work, so that there are genuine affections. You know, I, so maybe a classic example in my own life, and you know, God is still. having to do much work in this but you know might be a way i might respond to uh, evangelism and the need to evangelize to share my faith i can feel guilty about it a lot i can feel guilty about it all day long but at the end of the day if i don't change if i don't evangelize and really i'm not doing anything with it And, and i would say that maybe the emotion of guilt is not having the proper effect on me which would drive me to god to plead for change, to plead for the Holy Spirit so that I genuinely have a concern for the lost and that I genuinely do something to, to change so that I'm telling them about who Christ is. You know, I I don't know too many people, I guess, that if, if you're trying to figure out, you know, which one is which, you know, I, I don't know. I, again, I would just come back to, you know, man, like, <laughs> go to God. Right, here's, here's the right response. If you've got guilt... Uh, don't let it stay there guilt is is to do something with you know it's it's to drive us to god how would we <clears throat> make the
2: distinction or is there a distinction that would say the feeling of guilt was in fact generated by the spirit in order to bring about repentance sure. and and so then does the does the emotion guilt lead to the affection conviction or is guilt also an affection (laughs) if it was wrought by the spirit that's where it gets really messy for me Of this Mm -hmm. like i
0: (laughs) repent man man. (laughs) repent that's right (laughs) well
2: when you said that that's what made me that's that's what made me think of that question like is is an affection different from an emotion well i don't know Mm -hmm. but if you feel this way run to jesus right Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think somewhere there is a distinction between the emotion and the affection, but like if if the spirit can rot, can if the spirit can bring about the emotion and the proper response to the emotion is to run to Jesus, then does that emotion then become now an affection simply because it was spirit-wrought?
1: Yeah. I think it I think it could be. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, probably I don't know Edwards well enough to know if he would say that emotions and affections are, like, two completely distinct categories right. or if it's some kind of continuum. Um, but I do think, you know, maybe you could say that there's a sense in which emotions, you know, whether it's a distinct category or, a, you know, an, an end of a spectrum that emotions can be, they can move towards affection, you know, either because the spirit uses that emotion Mm -hmm. or, you know, to work in you so that your affections, you know, so is guilt, um, is conviction, the appropriate affection to the emotion of guilt? Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, is it because it's a continuum or because there are two different things that, you know, one leads to the other or should cause the other two. Begin it's faculties generating what it's supposed to. Yeah. I don't know. but
2: I think the same conversation about, I mean, because we're getting to repentance is the end goal in that conversation. But like I, Romans 2, 4 came to my mind. Do you not know that it's the kindness of God mm-hmm. that leads you to repentance? That's not, yeah. I mean, you okay, you could argue that it's God's kindness to elicit guilt that leads you to repentance. But you could also say that it's someone sits and contemplates the kindness of God man, what is the proper response to that joy that leads to repentance? Yeah. And so there, if that, that then becomes an affection leading to repentance that's not this negative guilt-conviction connotation, but in fact it's a very joyous affection that leads to repentance. And so it, 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 I guess the conversation with guilt and conviction gets difficulty because nobody wants to say... Oh, I am. I'm ruled by the emotion of guilt, but mm-hmm. it, it that's this the, the, that one being a negative motive to repentance. But you could put, if you put the same conversation in with Lord the, with the Lord's kindness leading to repentance, then it's joy that leads to repentance, and and that
0: we would be okay with that being an affection. So let me let me segue a little bit here, guys, and move us along. And yeah, uh, just a little bit. So let's say. How would I know what my affections are? Like, we all can probably identify well, here's my emotion. I'm angry, I'm happy, I'm X, Y, Z. How do I know what my affections are? And I'll, I'll give maybe slightly leading here. But would you That's say true. you can, yeah? <laughs> would you say that you can tell what your affections are by your responses, by what you are doing? So, in other words, we just said, here's guilt. What am I doing with that guilt? I'm repenting. Okay, well then you know your affections are in the right spot because of the outcome. So how, how do you evaluate, I guess, is the question. Is it based on your responses? Is it based on what you are feeling, sensing? Interact with that. I don't know if that even makes sense. So
1: the first thing that popped in my mind, and this is kind of a, maybe a fence around the idea, and I don't remember it where he says this C.S. Lewis talks about I think it has to do with the loves for loves book maybe mm-hmm. not fantastic maybe not. book by the way um, but he he talks about the idea of thinking about evaluating the love that you have for your spouse your wife I believe is the example he uses it's one of those things that you are experiencing and living out and walking through and You're not thinking at that moment, man, I am really in love with her. Mm -hmm. You're just in love with her. And he says the moment you start to become introspective about it, to evaluate, suddenly you're not thinking about being in love with her anymore. You're not experiencing that because you're trying to observe it. So, (laughs) you like that? That's good.
0: Yeah, I think Piper has something on that as well. And I think it was actually at his conference on C.S. Lewis.
1: Maybe that's where I heard it. I don't know. So, I didn't, I wasn't there. Maybe I listened to something, but there's something to be said for, I, I mean, I guess I would say at the end of the day, you can evaluate those things from an evaluative stance down the road. Hmm. And I think if you do so as a way of maybe testing yourself, you know, am I following Christ? Am I, do I look like a disciple of Christ in that I love God with my whole, whole being or that I love my neighbors myself? You know, when I think back on that particular instance, I can see where I was motivated by things other than love for my spouse or love for God. But I think if you're trying to do that in the moment, uh, you cease loving God or you cease loving your spouse, and and you start thinking about yourself. You know, and like Lewis says, you're you miss it. You're you lose the focus. So now you're not doing the loving anymore. You're thinking about it. Now remind me what your original question was. Well, it's almost. No, I think that's good.
2: And just. To, I think that it's almost like the evaluation comes after the after the fact. Like I don't. I don't know that you can. And I, I guess I don't. You may not be thinking. I'm thinking of like a worship service. You know, was I genuinely worshiping today, or was I not? Was I moved by the music, or was I moved by the spirit? You know. Like yeah, if you're in the service asking yourself that question, then you've missed the point altogether. You're
1: not worshiping God. Right. Um,
2: you know, uh, but afterwards, like I know that a lot of families in our church will evaluate the sermon, or on the way on the drive home, they're talking about the sermon and what you know, what did the Lord do in your heart during that time? And like that's, I think, the time to evaluate and ask yourself, was I being moved by affections, or was I being, you know, was I was I open to the movement of the Spirit of God in my life, so that what I was doing as practical religion, um, was being, uh, was authentic and genuine versus, you know, being, um, hypocritical,
0: you know, or something of that nature. I don't remember the original. The question was basically, how do you, what are what um, are your affections? Yeah. How do I know what my affections are? I can say, man, I really enjoy whatever this type of music. Is that a, a good affection? Is it not a good affection? Am I am, I'm in worship? Am I having the right affection or am I not having the right affection? And I think you guys have both hit on that. I, maybe another leading question would be, would you guys, how do you guys go about that? In other words, so like Puritans um, would keep their journals. Would that be a way to see a growth in, okay, this is what I wrote a year ago. And I'm looking at it going, man, I can't believe I was feeling that way. And I've grown in this area. Or would you say there's other ways to go about doing that, i.e. Facebook as a as a good, as a good journal? Yes. No, no. <laughs>
2: Facebook is a good journal, but you don't often want to go back and look at this. <laughs> right. um, a couple things came to my mind. Um, for, so for for me personally, I think that the journaling would be helpful. And or just being mindful of how the Lord has worked in your heart and in your life. in in the past, but being honest with yourself about those past experiences, you know, like I I can look back at the time that we were, that I was picking up Judah from the Congo and think, yeah, you know, it wasn't that bad. I was really only over there for 10 days, but dude, in the moment I was scared out of my mind, you know, like it was awful, you know, but there was a deep sense of trust and joy in the Lord that we're picking up our son from the Congo and we're going to get out of here. You know? But it was a really fearful. And so, if I if I look back on that experience and and only think about the fear, or only think about the joy, or I, I don't understand that full experience because I'm a fairly I'm not very dramatic kind of guy. So like a lot of the drama in events like that, kind of I forget about it. You know, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, it wasn't that wasn't that bad. Um, maybe I'll tell about my dissertation someday too because that was awful. But Now it's like, it wasn't that bad. Um, But so I think, yeah, journaling, being mindful of those things, um, going back and thinking through how the Lord has worked in your heart is, is what's going to keep us mindful of, of how the affections are going to play out in the future as well. Now related to somebody else, like if I was going to tell somebody, this sounds really simple, but the first thing I would say is you just have to know what the affections are. like, We've thrown around a lot of terms here today, conviction, guilt, joy, hope, I mean, a lot of things, and and I, I think we, we have to know like what those are. You know, what are those deep-seated heart inclinations of the will that we can even um, know whether that's a movement of the Spirit or not? So like one that kind of shocked me when I read Edwards for the first time was hatred. You think, ah, oh, nobody wants to... We don't hate something, right? right? But it is a genuine right affection to hate sin Mm -hmm. and to hate it vehemently. Is that the right word? That's a big word. That's a good word. (laughs) Um, And and so, you know, you kind of have to learn, like, am I just kind of putting up with my sin? Am I okay with my sin? Or do I genuinely hate it? And and that's one that for Mm -hmm. me probably would have never even come to mind Mm -hmm. of whether I'm practicing it rightly if I hadn't been introduced to it and knew that that was an affection. So you kind of have to know what they are. But then in our own hearts, we have to really pay attention. And and the, the passage that comes to my mind is Jeremiah 17, that the heart is more deceitful above all else. Like we can even lie to ourselves mm-hmm. about whether we think we are experiencing affections. And so um, it can get really tricky to say, am I doing this right when we're dependent on affections being a work of the Lord?
1: Um, what, what role do you think? Obedience plays in that. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, the Puritans were extremely intentional, at least in their writing, of just an extremely intentional group of people. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess I would say most of the Puritans that you read were pastors in some sense, generally speaking. And so, in some sense, this was their vocation. Um, You know, but what do I say to the guy in the pew, as far as the affections are concerned? Do I, you know, what does it look like to teach that to... To work on that and, and what role does obedience play in that so how much time am I going to spend explaining the affections or you know maybe we're just recognizing them when they're there and when they're not um, You know, is that the important part of knowing what the affections are so if it's a matter of hatred of sin do I look to cultivate hatred of sin or do I look to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind and strength and Expect in some sense that a hatred of sin would follow. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, that's a good question. And I think that it, I wonder if for
2: some affections, obedience will bring about the affection. Your example of giving earlier giving with joy—that the the, the the lack of joy in giving doesn't trump the necessity of obedience to give. Mm-hmm. Um, we still must give, and and our. our desperation is that the Lord would restore that joy uh, in in giving. But something like hatred of sin, like is is there an active behavior in the religious life that we can pursue that uh, enhances our hatred of sin? Or is it just simply love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? And then as a fallout of that or a natural consequence sounds negative a, a natural outworking of that love for god is a hatred for sin and so I, there may be two categories there even that there
1: are more categories yeah <laughs> no, uh, you no like that no I, I like
2: to categorize everything yeah. um, so did jonathan edwards yeah there, there may be a category of there there are some affections that a certain behavior of obedience can enhance and there may be some affections that Although, I mean, what, what, if, uh, what if the genuine love for God is, what if a genuine love for a God, a genuine affection, love for God, is inclining your soul to minister to women who have been enslaved in uh, human trafficking? I think that that's a, you are actively following and obeying the Lord's, I don't know that you'd have a, a there's not a direct command to do that but there's an obedience factor there that you're walking out that is a result of the hatred of that sin sure that's going on there and you know that's yeah, that one might even be different because you're hating someone else's sin versus hating your own but uh, you know here we go with more categories I, the thing that I would say related to obedience and and what has gotten me in trouble with this conversation in other places not in trouble, but misunderstood is that the lack of affection never trumps obedience, right? Obedience Mm -hmm. is, is always required, but we beg the Lord to restore the affections while we're obeying. And so maybe other people who are listening will have to decide whether a certain act of obedience can elicit and or enhance Affections, but nobody should say, I'm not going to obey the Lord because I don't feel like right. it.
0: It would be really helpful if there's a book like When I Don't Desire God. That'd be really helpful. <laughs> if somebody, like had, would be really if helpful. somebody had written that, that'd be great. Yeah, no, that's really good. Ryan, you have anything else to, um, to add to that? No.
1: I, I mean, there's. I'm, I'm still trying to get my head wrapped around this a little bit and trying to figure out the difference between affection and emotion and how we rightly determine which is which. And then of those two categories, I mean, we can say anyone experiences emotions, believer or non-believer. Does, can you say the same about affections? Can anyone experience affections, believer and non-believer? And it seems like in some of the things that Edwards says regarding affections, you could say yes, Like, anyone can experience affections. It's kind of a more long-term, will- or inclination-oriented faculty, the affections are. Um, And in that case, you could say, yes, anybody could experience that. You know, there can be a committed husband who does not follow Christ, who does not love Christ, who can have, in some sense, the affection, love for his spouse. Like, he genuinely loves her. It's not fly-by-night. It's not whimsical it doesn't come and go um with his particular thoughts of her at the moment you know but there's a, a genuine affection of love for his wife of 50 years or something like that um now i think edwards would definitely say that's not a religious affection mm-hmm. um and i think that is an important distinction to make did so just make another category
0: i think he made a category i, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I <laughs> repent <laughs> i feel guilty. did now. you feel guilty? <laughs> i did um you know I think I mean we're we you know you can beat around the bush all day long. I think we can all sort of implicitly understand the difference between uh emotion you know as opposed to affections, emotion kind of being less rooted, less based on like a long term view of life or understanding life or you know understanding God or understanding other people um we can have emotions about the pizza we eat and mm-hmm. just this is really good pizza and I'm just thrilled to death because it's really, really good. Right, um, right. and no one would put that in a category of affection. Mm-hmm. Um, though you could, and you know, and I'm not going to go there. <laughs> you could say there's some affection of like <laughs> gratitude to God right, right. for providing good food or something. Well, and I, yeah, there you go. That's the distinction though between someone genuinely being moved But you could have someone that's genuinely a food lover. He loves the category of food and the things that people do with it and how you can do food in different ways. And I mean, it's like, uh, you know, a a composer of music can be genuinely moved Mm -hmm. um, because he knows music in and out. Mm -hmm. And he is just amazed at some beautiful piece of music that someone has put together, you know, whereas it may not affect me. (laughs) (laughs) It may not affect (laughs) Caleb, who listens to Vanilla Ice. That's that's a good illustration. I was in the band
2: in high school, and I was listening to uh, some marching band music this morning on the way to church with Noah and Tova in the car. They totally did not get it. Sure, sure. But I was like, I'm sitting there bobbing along. like,
0: that's good. Listen to this. Listen to the sun. It's going to start building. It's going to build, build, build. Yeah! Noah's (laughs) like, Dad, you're, you're just weird it's true at some point I think I'd like to talk a little bit about that though because the distinctions a of, little bit about what of love the distinctions of love okay I, mean, I think it'll, it'll be in the future but just the idea that yes you can love food yes you can love music but it's not the same type or the same depth of love that you have sure. for your wife the mm-hmm. same type of love that you have because in our culture love is love love is just across the board the same love wins love is love however it's i love pizza but not the same way that i love my wife it is not the same way that i love my son because if it is there's something wrong with the way i'm loving right. there's something messed up right. and um i think i'd like to eventually talk about that at some point well guys we've wandered all over the place i don't know if we've come down on any type of conclusions or whatnot hopefully it's a uh, thought provoker for our listeners but i'd like to close with uh, a little segment called meditation minute i'll give you guys each 60 to 90 seconds and uh you guys can just give us a thought uh something we can take into our our week to meditate on to help us drive or or deepen our affections you don't have to use the word affections but just something to help our listeners as they're going into their work week um just in their thought life and uh, as in their walk with god Adam, I'll start with you man.
2: I The thing that I thought about earlier was this, this idea of worship and um, it was the idea of worship and, and musical worship um, particularly. Edwards uh, says this, and such gestures and manner of external behavior in the worship of God, which custom has made to be significations of humility and reverence, can be of no further use than as they have some tendency to affect our own hearts or the hearts of others. And um, I think when, I, when I've when i read that before, the thought comes to my mind of raising hands in worship and this outward manifestation of worship that I have seen in the lives of men in college who have completely turned away from the Lord. And so there's, there is some outward manifestation of worship that really has no bearing on whether it's truly being a, a movement of the Spirit of God in their hearts. And so... I think maybe the the meditation minute and it's go back about ten minutes and listen to what we said about evaluating your affections. Do that after church. The meditation minute, the thing to put in play, the practical application would be to beg the Lord to stir your affections during musical worship. Let the let the truths of Scripture mm-hmm. and the songs seep into your soul, and and let the music guide your heart to an affective
1: uh, worship of the Lord. Good, Ryan. Okay, I'm going to do about a maybe 30-second thing here. Um, It's kind of similar to a lot of things we've said, but I think just being aware of the categories of affections and a distinction that can be made between affections and emotions. And I think, again, it's one of those things we can say, well, duh, obviously there's two different things there, but we don't practically live that out every day of our lives. and everyone in Western culture wants to feel deeply. And most of the time we're trying to feel deeply by stirring the emotions and it's Mm. very short lived and it, it it just doesn't last. And so we're looking for the next thing to stir our emotions. And, you know, I, I, I would hope that someone listening to this would see if we can make these distinctions that there's something deeper to go after more than just an emotive feeling, um, but a, a deep-seated affection. Um, ultimately, that's only going to be found in knowing, serving, and loving Christ, and God then working in our lives. But to the you know to the the listener who is a believer, pushing beyond just wanting to feel deeply, but but seeking to know God, to love Him, to make Him known, uh, so that those those affections are stirred, um, whether we're seeking to stir the emotions or not. And I'll, I'll stop there.
0: Well, that'll do it for us this time on Oaks of Righteousness. I need to give a shout out to uh, two of my sister-in-laws, Lydia Styling and Susanna Frazier for working on the logo for this podcast. And also to Josh Bowder for doing the intro music as well. Appreciate all of their hard work. Until next time, there's joy to be pursued in this life. That ultimate joy is in Jesus Christ. Pursue Him.